the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Yes, indeed, and he's here to say hello. Welcome to Wednesday, the 22nd of July, 5 after 5 on your clock and uh, Craig Roberts on your radio. Great to have you with us for another edition of Lifeline. We're here Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. addressing issues that impact your life and your world and we're going to plan on doing more of the same today. We've got a lot to talk about including a new piece of legislation making its way through Sacramento that is a real shocker. And uh, we'll give you a prime on what's going on related to Assembly Bill 2218 and why it is so problematic. We'll also talk a bit about the troops that we've seen on American streets. It is disquieting, to be sure. And now from Portland to Chicago, who knows what may be next. And if you think this is disquieting and disturbing... Imagine how you would feel if they were United Nations troops. Oh, and don't think it couldn't happen. We're going to talk to a best-selling author and former Bush policy advisor about the very issue coming up later on in tonight's program. But let's begin with the really important stuff. Not that it's all not important, but um, certainly the one thing that has captured All of our attention, no matter where you live, has been COVID-19, and uh, it continues to plague the entirety of the world. Some are wondering whether or not we're wrapping up the first wave, starting a second wave, and worst yet, as we are already here at the 22nd of July, well into summer, what's going to happen when fall arrives? And it will be here before you know it, if you're over the age of 40 or 50, you know how time flies faster than we realize. What's going to happen when we're all locked indoors? Not out of choice, but out of weather. We're going to talk about that very issue with Dr. Jeff Gusky. Dr. Gusky practices emergency medicine in the city of Dallas, Texas. He is a member of Alpha Omega Alpha, the National Honor Medical Society, and a fellow of the American College of Emergency Physicians. And I might add, as a sidebar, he is also a phenomenal photographer of the National Geographic level. And Dr. Gusky, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Craig. I'm really honored to be on your show. And we don't we don't have time today to get into it, but I'd love to get you back at some point. I've had a chance to uh, admire much of your work. And there's been just for the benefit of listeners, you've seen maybe some of these these underground world documentaries. I, I think the, the History Channel had a, a series for quite a while, and you could see you know San Francisco underground, Seattle underground, and so forth. Well, Dr. Gusky went underground to 
tunnels and and I guess sort of the, the remnants of old foxholes and things of that sort um, throughout parts of Europe related to the First World War and the photography that he has come back with and the discoveries that he has made are absolutely fascinating. And so we'll have to get you back when we can talk Thank about you. that at length. But in, in the meanwhile... If I can just give you a quick tease just to tell you that there's a current exhibition um, at the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. Um, no offense against Oprah, I'd love to say this. But they took out Oprah's exhibit and put this exhibit in. And uh, it's a story that unites us around race. It's a story of the only all-African-American combat unit in World War One, And it turns out they were the, an all-African-American unit. And it's just, a, for another time, an amazing story that shows us a vision of America that um, uh, is very positive. So, um, Good to hear, and we'll uh, we'll duly note that, and we'll certainly get you back when when you've got some time. In fact, I'm thank I'm you. surprised you have time today, given your job and all that's going on in the great oh, state of Texas. Well, Boy, you, you know, you're you're beginning to give competition here to California. There's a there's a story of hope about California. I just looked up the numbers before coming on air, and and you know this is a perfect example where it's important for people to. Um, acquire some skills about making their own judgments regarding numbers. So there's a, a, a site called uh, worldometer.info, and you can look up the actual death rates, the, the number of cases, the testing, and then there's another site called the Johns Hopkins uh, Resource Center, and there's something on there called the Positivity Index. And um, California, for all the fear and panic and, uh, you know, uh, horror that any time anyone dies, you know, clearly it's a tremendous loss. But to get a sense about where California stands, um, the, the death rate in California right now is about 200 per million. In, in the 2017-18 flu season, the death rate in the United States was 250 per million. The death rate in Florida right now is about 250 per million, and in Texas it's about 150 per million. So it, and then the positivity rate, which is super, super important because it tells you when uh, you're, you have a curve that is potentially getting out of control. California is, should be the envy of so many places because um, when, when the numbers started to go up in, in June, uh, you were at four, around four. Now you're at around seven and a half. Texas has doubled that. Arizona was nearly four times what California is right now. So it, it's not nearly as, as bad as uh, the news is telling you. And here's the good news. COVID is weather-related. It's completely pre predictable. And I know you're not hearing this, but, but let me sidebar and, and remind everyone to think back to April. You know, on April 2nd, uh, Mayor, and this isn't political, I stay out of politics, but uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio uh, was, was breathlessly, you know, calling out for 65,000 hospital beds by the end of the month. And, and Governor Cuomo was impassionately, you know, talking about ventilators and, and um, 
what happened was that the, the hospitals emptied out, and uh, the comfort ship was never used, the Javits Center, the emergency hospitals, the, hosp- the hospital ship you had in California, and the other emergency hospitals. The ventilator crisis never materialized. And the reason that no one is talking about is the weather, because spring weather is a powerful antiviral, and it has to do with something called the absolute humidity. Now, we hear about relative humidity because that's the only number that we get on the weather reports or that we can measure with the instruments we have at home. The absolute humidity, for something, uh, if you go online, uh, Scientific American has a brilliant 60-second podcast called Humidity Helps Fight Flu from 2009. And they tell you 11 years ago that we've been looking at the wrong number all along. So the absolute humidity is the actual amount of water in the air. And um, it turns out that as, as, as winter goes to spring, goes to summer, in general, you have more humidity outdoors, and that makes the air inside more moist uh, because buildings breathe. And, and COVID, let me tell you something else that will shock people, um, but there, there is no good scientific evidence that I'm aware of that co- mass spread of COVID occurs outdoors, anywhere in the world. Does that surprise you? No, not at all. Right? Well, no, not at all. Um, we should be. We should all be being told this, but but we're not. And, and in fact, it's an, it's a, a problem of dangerously dry indoor air um, in places packed with people, and someone comes in with a virus, and the bomb goes off. So, um, so when uh, here's the reason why we need to be really worried about the fall. And then I'll come back to California and what happened with your numbers and why. You can see it in the weather. So um, we had the luxury of spring weather that saved us. Um, uh, but it's the opposite come fall. And the apocalyptic predictions of potentially millions of deaths and hospital system overwhelmed could happen starting the fall because then we have uh, the, the humid days of summer melting into the drier days of fall to the drier weeks of winter, and that's where everything's going to get dangerous. So we need to go into overdrive, and, and I'm calling on people to go on offense against the virus. And the way we do this is by making every public building in America safe against COVID by making the, the humidity inside between 50 and 60% around the clock. And what that equates to is an absolute humidity that is in the safe range. You don't, the data shows very clearly that when the absolute humidity is above 10, you don't have hot spots. And it's so, and they've known about this for years. Had, had the nursing homes been informed that they just needed to turn the dial up on the humidity, I believe that Tens of thousands of Americans would be alive today. So it sounds like what you're suggesting, Doctor, is as we as we head into the the season where we're all locked indoors, um, and of course for a lot of us we have forced heating, and so things get really dry. You're suggesting that we need to think about humidifiers 
that can help bring up Absolutely. that that humidity in the, in the building. There, there are two things that everyone needs to do. I know we're running out of time, but one is to get humidifiers in your homes, and you can get a central humidifier. They're not even that expensive, and you set it and forget it. It has to be around 55% is the ideal. You can be safe in the middle of the Mojave Desert. It, it, it's, you can, Hong Kong and New York have the same population approximately. Hong Kong, as of today, has lost 14 people since the beginning of the crisis. New York City has lost almost 23,000 precious lives. And, and the difference is that Hong Kong has a tropical climate and their indoor air is safer. So you make your air safer against Hong Kong. The other thing everyone must do right now, it's imperative, is to get your vitamin D. That's D as in David. Vitamin D level check. If you're not taking vitamin D, you should start taking it, 2,000 units a day, and then consult with your doctor because it takes a month to get your levels up if you're low. People of color are particularly at risk. About 40% of Americans are walking around right now. They don't know if they're low. People of color are 3 to 71 times more likely to be low. If you are low, get COVID and go into a hospital. Studies show that up to 96% of those people do not make it out alive. It's yeah, and you know the interesting thing is, while we've all been sheltering in place and working from home, uh, we're, we're getting less and less sunshine. And I will yes. confirm what you said. My own physician said the exact same thing. Craig, if you're going to be inside more and you're being more cautious, take vitamin D. And the level should be. Just think about the humidity being fifty to sixty percent. The level on the vitamin D should be fifty to sixty. It's nanograms, ng, uh, like National Geographic. NG per milliliter, but but just remember, 50 to 60, not the lower numbers that doctors think about, you know, in the 20s and 30s. It should be 50 to 60, and that's completely safe, and and that will uh, help you prevent uh, help you pre- prevent getting COVID. And if you get it, it will help to uh, mitigate the risk of uh, these terrible inflammatory complications and deaths. Doctor, we're short on time. We need to have more of it next time. We'll make sure we schedule that. I sure appreciate you carving some time out of your schedule. I know you guys thank are going you. crazy thank down there dealing with the, the great show. Thank you, Chris. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. There's Dr. Jeff Gusky, and uh, we'll get him back. We'll talk more about COVID and get more insights as this continues to progress through, and we can talk more about many of these important steps we need to be taking to protect our own health, and then we'll certainly get a chance. You wish this was for the moment. Normally I'd say I'm glad that it's radio and not TV. This time it's just the opposite. Some of his photography is absolutely spellbinding, and there's a whole world that exists under places like Belgium and France, um, remnants of World War One. Nobody knew even existed. It's absolutely phenomenal, so you have to check him out online. Dr. Jeff Gusky, G-U-S-K-Y. He's got a website by the same, jeffgusky.com. All right, we're 520. Let's get you updated on some traffic right quick from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, since late March, we've been all been stuck at home. And if you're like most Americans, certainly spending a lot more time in front of the TV set these days. And whether we're watching live TV or streaming or watching old home videos, whatever it might be, um, that's kind of a, the 
extent of our entertainment choices these days, what with everything else shut down. And if you've paid close attention, um, you've, you've probably noticed a discerning trend, and that is that there has been a, a movement toward more and more violence, sexualization within films over the last uh, probably a couple of three generations now. And if you're not somebody who spent previously a lot of time in front of the TV, and now you are, you're probably pretty shocked. Also, probably pretty shocked about the things that pass for family entertainment, even on networks such as Disney. Let's get some insights as to what's going on and whether or not one of the the hidden blessings of the tragedy of COVID-19 might be the fact that as Hollywood has had to put everything on pause, when they do, if they do get back to work, they may have to do things very differently. And that also might include a major change in the degree of sexuality that we see expressed on the screen. Tim Winter is the president of the Parents Television Council. And Tim, I guess uh, a lot of us spending more time in front of TV because of COVID have been shocked to find out what really goes on and particularly what quote-unquote passes for family entertainment. Well, good day to you and your listeners from Hollywood. It's a pleasure to be with you in, uh, in the beautiful Bay Area up there. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting right now. More families than ever are being forced to rely on electronic media. A lot of parents have been told that their children are going to be, you know, staying at home and having curriculum at at home through the internet, through social through social media platforms, through uh, communication platforms. They are, as you rightly pointed out, unable to go out and socialize like we used to. So we're relying more on. Uh, not just broadcast and cable television, but streaming media platforms like Netflix and Hulu and, and other web-delivered content. And right now you have uh, I, I should, probably more than we've ever seen before in terms of graphic sex, violence, profanity, sexualization, not just of women, but of children. Uh, it's really become a very toxic entertainment media environment, and that's why the Parents Television Council here are trying to help parents navigate these very choppy waters today. Do you get the sense that Hollywood may need to rethink a lot of this, as I suggest? I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to engage in sex scenes with and, and, and keep uh, social distancing. Uh, <laughs> maybe they might move back to a, a little little degree of more polite innuendo than what we've seen so blatant in recent years. What do you think? We've heard stories in Hollywood of that very thing happening, where uh, they're trying to get back into the production of, of motion pictures and television, and they are trying to figure out how to shoot uh, film or, or video the intimate scenes with the social distancing <laughs> guidelines they're, they're, they're told they have to uh, employ. They're using uh, dummies in some cases, uh, you know, mannequins and whatever, lifelike dolls. But um, there has been discussion among some in the creative community, and I use creative community with air quotes around it because sometimes it's not very creative, but they've, uh, they're struggling to figure out how can they how can they get around this. Well, they thought, gosh, maybe we'll just have to imply the the, the sex scene, just like we have done for decades and decades until recently, where you know you see a couple, the lights turn out, and then and then you flash forward to you know a later moment where you don't have to see the the, the, the intimate graphic uh, sexual scene. Um, we kind of chuckle. It's like, well, you know, we, we think that Rob and Laura Petrie are still still good entertainment models to look up to, and maybe maybe some in Hollywood today will will have to resort to that type of uh, that uh, type of action. 
Wouldn't that be refreshing? Now, now, Tim, as I suggested in my opening remarks, and, and certainly this has been true for me, I, I historically have never watched the amount of TV that I've seen since I've been stuck at home. And so you become, I think, a little bit more critical in your choices. You're exposed to more and your eyes get open wider, to be sure. And, you know, in addition to the over-sexualization, which has been a growing problem in Hollywood for years, we know that, but also some of the gratuitous language. And and one of the areas that folks have been upset, a lot of people that uh, were happy to see Disney provide a streaming service and perhaps had a different set of expectations than what Disney does when it comes to the kind of content that it serves up. One of the things that has had some parents upset, as much as it's thrilling to see um, a Broadway play like Hamilton that has wonderful historical value and educational value to it come to the screen at home, Parents are also scratching their head wondering why did they have to allow in gratuitous language, language that I'm going to guess our founding fathers probably didn't use. Uh, that's just my own personal opinion. And, and whether or not, as I understand it, some of this language is allowable um, in a PG-13 rating by the Motion Picture Association, and whether or not, wait for it, whether or not, Maybe it's high time if this COVID business is going to be lingering and we have to completely rethink the way in which we consume our entertainment for um, the medium-range term here. Whether or not it's time for a serious revisit to conversations, maybe not as serious as the Hayes Code was back in the day, although I'll tell you what, if you offered me the Hayes Code versus where we're at today, I'd snap up the Hayes Code in 90 seconds. What do you think? Is Hollywood at all going to begin to be more sensitive to not just the sexualization but the language as well? There seems to be such a tsunami of profanity, even on mainstream uh, programming broadcast television. Uh, you know, family, ostensibly family-friendly cable networks are now employing uh, content that has edgier and, and more profane language. Um, the, you pointed out the uh, the brilliant uh, stage show Hamilton that, that came to Disney Plus in in the form of a video. The stage play of Hamilton had several f bombs in it, and the creator uh, Lin Manuel Mar uh, Miranda said he would be willing to remove the profanity to reach the widest possible audience. And good for him. What what Disney chose to do by, by in their distribution of that film was to remove all but one f word to keep one F-word, because with one F-word they can still get a PG-13 rating. Isn't it crazy how I, I never in my 61 years on this planet have I heard a parent tell a child they can use one F-bomb but not two or more. Never. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's absurd. Either that word is vile and filthy or it's not, and most, most Americans Well, it, it, it shows, Tim, I think not only the, the moral disconnect here, but let's face it, and I, yes, this is, this is very much intended to be a blatant accusation against Hollywood, and that is, it seems that there's been a trend over the last, oh, 20, 30-something years to get edgier and edgier, and as you see Hollywood begin to um, recycle old films, old titles, old themes... After a while, you have to wonder, are they getting edgy simply because they're running out of ideas and it's easier to put in a bunch of blue language to get a laugh, as people are really more laughing out of embarrassment, than to really come up with thoughtful, creative, truly funny storylines or funny jokes to get people to laugh? Bingo. 
uh, even even um, uh, I was reading John Cleese from from Monty Python, which you know oh, yes. was pretty pretty blue in its day. Um, yes, they were. He, he talked about how comedians today and the creative community today uh, relies on profanity and, and sexualization as a crutch for poor writing skills. The inability to be to tell a powerful story, they have to. They feel they have to resort to profanity because it's a crutch, uh, it, and it's it's certain it's something that we are seeing more of. Uh, and I don't think there's a family in America that says, you know, we need more of that. Uh, we need less of that. Even if you go back to Duck Dynasty, a family-friendly show like Duck Dynasty, the producers started putting in bleeps where just to, to give the audience the belief that something profane was spoken, when in fact when the, when the family was speaking, they would never use those profane words. Wow. But the producers actually put bleeps in to create the appearance that they were swearing. And, and, you know, you scratch your head and you think, what, what's the mentality there where you're, you're now pretending that there's profanity? Why, why is that necessary? It's not necessary. Uh, a a well-acted, well-produced, well-directed, well-written uh, entertainment work withstands the test of time, and it needs not one bit of, of the harsh profanity that we're seeing uh, just, just almost, uh, it's everywhere, it's ubiquitous today. Yeah, two two thirds of the comedians today would be out of work if they had to work during the the generation of people like George Burns and Bob Hope. That's to be sure. Parents Television is available, and an organization that we have been um, fond of and supportive of for many many years on this program. Um, that gives parents an opportunity to understand what's going on and to have a voice. And, uh, and to present sort of a united front, so to speak, when it comes to redressing the content that is produced out of Hollywood. And, you know, don't make any bones about it. Companies like Disney may appear to be and wish to present the face that they're family-friendly. They're really money-friendly at the end of the day. And um, we need to hold their feet to the fire, and we need to let our voice be heard. You've got more time at home these days? Utilize it in a constructive way. Shoot some emails off to some Hollywood producers or to some of the big production houses that you appreciate or have followed down through the years, like a Disney, and let them know what you think. More information available online at parentstv.org. That's parentstv.org. And our thanks to Tim Winter for being with us. Right now, let's get you an update. 5.35 on the clock. A look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. If you have been troubled, and many of us have been, of seeing the violent protests in the streets of, well, almost any city in America, certainly in the days following the horrible death of George Floyd, but then ensuing and continuing here, as we've seen in communities like Portland, Oregon, um, it is very upsetting and very disturbing. And some people have said, you know, it, it, this feels like paramilitary or stormtrooper types and they're not wearing any sort of identification badges on their uniforms. What exactly is this? Well, if you find that disquieting, and well, you should, imagine what it would be like if you could identify the soldiers on the streets and they turned out to belong to the United Nations. This is not very often reported, but we'll do it now for your benefit, that in June, 
Shortly after the tragic death of George Floyd, the family's lawyer officially appealed to the United Nations for help, saying that the United States has been so consistently flawed that it could not be trusted. With some insights, we're joined by Kim Kimberly Ells. Kimberly's a policy advisor and author of a new book called The Invincible Family, Why the Global Campaign to Crush Motherhood and Fatherhood Can't Win. And Kimberly, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. You know, we're disturbed by what we see in America, and clearly the events of the last uh, many weeks have shown that there's a deep divide, there's a rift, there's some healing that needs to take place. A lot of changes are, are certainly necessary in our country. But reading a piece that you recently wrote in Town Hall really put me on my heels with the notion that somehow an organization like the United Nations could somehow come in and fix this, particularly given the fact that their track record overseas is so spectacular. What's behind all this? Right. I think everyone on both sides of the political aisle are, are quite concerned about what, what we're seeing in our country. And um, we, we want answers. We want things to improve. But um, unfortunately, as you mentioned, the, lawyers for, the lawyer for George Floyd has used that to that great tragedy to call upon the United Nations to sort of intervene somehow in our in our uh, law enforcement and and that's concerning on on several levels first of all it suggests a certain incompetence on the part of the United States government you know that we can't we can't deal with our own internal issues it, and it also frames the United Nations as a sort of a more legitimate governing body than the United States of America which which it is not we um, have national sovereignty. We elect our leaders in the United Nations is an unelected group of, of global leaders that that really has no real uh, authority here. So that's that's troubling. And also, it, inviting the United Nations to somehow intervene in our U.S. law enforcement dealings, really on any level, is is quite concerning. Well, the other thing, too, and let's put this in perspective, because sometimes people hear the United Nations and they see the big, tall building in New York City and think that somehow this is a, this is a separate body, a separate entity, uh, when in fact, as the name suggests, it is comprised of, made up of, nations of the world. And I think just about every country is a full-fledged participating member. There might be one or two on there. I don't know, maybe North Korea uh, comes to mind as potentially not participant, uh, a participant, but they might be as well. So when we say United Nations, here's, here's my question, Kimberly. When we say that we have such a deep-seated problem in America that somehow we are completely incapable as Americans of solving this issue, then I, I'm wondering who is it that we suggest can do a better job at all of this when it comes to fairness and, and, and proper human treatment and, and bringing about um, uh, parity within society. Is that going to be Saudi Arabia that executes people? Is it going to be communist China? Maybe, maybe Venezuela can come in and show us how to successfully run our government. When we say the United Nations, I mean, what countries exactly are we talking about that do so much better than we do that we somehow think it would be a good idea for them to come in and show us how to go about managing ourselves? Well, I think you hit the nail on the, the head, Craig, because there is no nation that, that does it better than us, really. Our nation has failings. Every nation has weaknesses. Every system has, you know, cracks in it that need attention. But there's, there's scarcely a more just and more fair uh, system that protects the most people's human rights than the, than the 
country that we have here in America, the government that we have, that's been doing a pretty darn good job for, for a long time. Again, not suggesting that there can't be improvements, but to, to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, you know, because George Floyd died and there's, there's uh, evidence of other people being victimized and we've got to replace the whole system and, and defund the police, it's, it's, it's uh, unwise and it um, paves the way for, for, as you say, who, for what? And the United Nations would say, well, for us. And, and it's very interesting and troubling that just today, before I came on, I saw a news story about Antonio Guterres, who's the U.N. Secretary General, and he said that a new model for global governance, is his words, is coming. And he said that the intent of that will be to redistribute power and wealth. And so this is very concerning. He, there's been many calls for global government to just recently kind of increasing calls for that to respond to COVID-19, to respond to the, the George, George Floyd uh, crisis and so forth. Um, so this is, it's been growing for a long time and it's getting louder and it's getting more specific. And um, there, the fact remains, though, a, a global governance, <laughs> can you imagine a global police force trying to do what our local police doing? It, it's just not, it's not reasonable. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a certain draw to having someone else come in and, and fix your problems. And so that's, that's where we're at. And I think it's a precarious situation. Some people, a few people have responded to the article I wrote and said, well, that's ridiculous. The, we would never see the blue helmets of the UN on our streets. And you know what? I hope it's ridiculous. And, and if, you know, a few months ago, I might, might have thought it was a little more ridiculous. But um, they're not kidding. It, it's getting, it's getting mm. serious. It, it could turn in that direction. I'm not saying it's right at our doors. But as we undercut our own law enforcement agencies, there will be a void, and it has to be filled by something because there has to be a way to enforce uh, laws. Well, and to be sure, I mean, I, I would imagine if you uh, took a poll of most Americans, say, in December of 2019, they would have said paramilitary troops on the streets of America? No, that'll never happen. People running mm -hmm. around in camouflage on the streets of America, firing weapons at fellow Americans? No, that'll never happen. And yet here we are. So the minute we begin to think that we're safe or that somehow an organization from the outside is going to do a better job when their track record overseas has been as dismal as it has been. And when we talk about the United Nations running things, let's be clear about this. Who are the United Nations? China, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Iran, Iraq, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Brazil, the list goes on. So mm -hmm. can they really come in and, and help us right the things that are wrong about America? Listen, they're not even, uh, under, under many of these other countries and regimes, they wouldn't even be aware of problems going on because they have a closed society of a media that's not allowed uh, to communicate any information to the outside world. So it's regrettable, yes, that all of our dirty laundry is hanging out there for the world to see. But we've proven ourselves to have the ability, when we're confronted with the difficult truth about who we are, be it in the 1850s and 60s related to dealing with the issue of slavery to the 1960s and dealing with voter rights and, and civil rights to even this juncture that we find ourselves, the crossroads we're in at the moment. We'll make tough choices. Tough things need to be done. Sacrifices need to be made to right some of these wrongs. But bringing the United Nations in to fix it, 
that would be an absolute recipe for disaster. Kim, if folks want to read directly your um, your editorial, it's available, I understand, still at townhall.com? Uh, as you mentioned, you? I've written a book as well, The Invincible Family, which addresses um, the power in the innate power of the family and how forces that have coalesced at the United Nations are seeking to undermine and usurp that power. So I hope people can take a look at that as well, invinciblefamily.com is where you can find that. We'll have to... We'll have to get you on to talk about that book in length because it's very timely given what we're seeing going on in our nation today because so much of this goes to the heart of the disintegration of the traditional family in our country. So it's it's a, what's the old adage? It's the domino or the snowball effect. Kimberly Ells, again, policy advisor, author of The Invincible Family, Why the Global Campaign to Crush Motherhood and Fatherhood Can't Win. Your most recent article regarding the United Nations and policing in America, available online at townhall.com. 5.50 from KFAX. Get a look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. We talked, my goodness, three, four years ago about some of the challenges taking place here in California in relationship to the hubbub over gender dysphoria. We've seen measures passed like AB 1266 that's created um, gender-neutral public schools. There is an effort right now through another assembly bill that's currently active, AB 2826, that would force retailers in the state of California to create gender-neutral clothing and toy sections for children. So, you know, like you have to go get a birthday gift for your little cousin, and your little cousin is five years old, and you go to the boys' section of the toy department because your little cousin is a boy, well... If this measure passes, that'll disappear. It'll just all be one department, clothing included. Well, there's yet another assembly bill. It currently is being fast-tracked through the assembly. It's AB 2218. To tell us about it, Penny Harrington, legislative liaison with Concerned Women for America of California. And Penny, boy, it just seems like every bill that gets passed on this subject gets further and further and further out. This one, particularly in the wake of the biggest economic crisis of the last 90 years to impact our state, when money is so tight that somehow the California State Assembly thinks it's good to continue this social experiment and do so and spend millions of dollars in the process, is really, well, I would say shocking. But then again, it's California. Tell us all about AB 2218 and what it hopes to do. Well, thank you very much, Craig, um, and I, I do hope your listeners will help us out on this one because we have an opportunity to take action on a day of action tomorrow to stop AB 2218. If I can say that there's one silver lining to the COVID cloud, it's that some of those bills, like 2826 that you mentioned, have been tabled, and we are actually very hopeful that AB 2218 may be tabled next week. What's happening is because most of the bills are supposed to be COVID-related, we may see some of these other ones fall by the wayside. And this particular measure 
um, was introduced back in February, made it through the assembly already, and is now poised to be heard by the Senate Health Committee on July 30th. So uh, it will establish the transgender um, equity, uh, wellness and equity fund um, with an undetermined number of dollars. It started out at $15 million, but they dropped that because it would have required a two-thirds vote. And now it's just an undetermined amount to be appropriated by the legislature to be in the form of grants offered to trans-led organizations or hospitals, clinics, et cetera, with established relationships with trans-led organizations to provide services like the puberty-blocking drugs and the cross-sex hormones and the mutilating surgeries, whether it's in adults or children, with taxpayer dollars. So it's a real concern, and, of course, we're, we're most concerned about the children and how it will affect them because there are so many parents that are being pressured into affirming what their children are feeling about their sexuality and just so many children are being harmed potentially permanently with infertility i mean we go through these procedures and there's no way back you can't go back you know, what, I, what I don't understand removed. What, what i don't understand here kim is that if we sat down with the average thinking individual and said does it make sense to give the keys to a automobile to an eight-year-old we would say of course not that child could could cause irreparable harm to himself or herself and others they're not experienced they're too young to make those kinds of decisions when it comes to to driving they don't have the experience they're not of proper age we would say the same thing if we were suggesting the six-year-old is capable of entering into a contract and getting married or or going off to war i mean there are plenty of restrictions that we put on children why because they're children. They're not capable of making informed decisions, and they could make a mistake based on how they feel at the moment that could have a negative and irreversible impact for their entire life. How is a proposal like this not something that fits in the category of absolute outright child abuse? I mean, 30 years ago, and I don't think that that's necessarily back in the Stone Age, If you had a member of the California State Legislature that made a recommendation like this, not only would they get immediately recalled, they'd probably wind up in jail. Well, Craig, um, it is important to note that while you can get an abortion at the age of 12 without your parents knowing in California from what we're able to determine up until the age of 18, they are still going to need to have parental involvement to get some of these drugs and and therapies, treatments, quote-unquote. And that's why we're... Still, as the parents are being pressured to do these things, and a lot of that is happening, children are going through horrible surgeries that will affect them for the rest of their lives. So that's why we're hoping that tomorrow we're trying to get as many calls as we can to the members of the Senate Health Committee, and all the information on how to do that, the numbers to call, is in an alert for our day of action at ca.cwfa.org. CA for California, CWFA for Concerned Women for America, org, and it's the first alert you'll see. And if you click on Read More, there's all the phone numbers and everything. And what we'd like to do is try to get this in, in front of all of the members of the committee 
so that if they have to determine what bill is going to go forward, they're going to say, this one's too hot to handle. Let's drop this one and go on to something that truly is related to the crisis that we're in right now. And then we'll have more time to fight this later on. Um, but we are coming up on the end of the session, the end of August. So it's this health committee. And then we're going to be not too long to the Senate floor. And like I said, it's already passed the Assembly. So it's really important that people take action on this. These are their taxpayer dollars at work. And, you know, I, I try to be respectful of people's time. And, and folks are busy, even with the challenges of COVID-19, to say, drop what you're doing because we have an emergency. But I think this is an appropriate time. So if I might drop what you're doing because we have an emergency and we need to get your voice heard regarding assembly bill 2218 that's ab 2218 that would establish a quote-unquote transgender wellness and equity fund that would quote encourage promote provide the means for sex change operations cross-sex hormones puberty blocking drugs to children children under the age of 18. Information available where you can get plugged in and get involved. Contact your member of the California State Legislature. Go to ca.cwfa.org. That's CA, like abbreviating California. CA.cwfa, Concerned Women for America. CA.cwfa.org. Our thanks to that to for that update from Penny Harrington, Legislative Liaison, on behalf of Concerned Women for America of California. Six o'clock from KFAX. Let's get you an update on traffic.